0: Rise Up Podcast Community. bit.ly slash rise up pod community. <whistles> Overtime Heroics. Join the forums for free at overtimeheroics.com. It's episode 95 of The Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. And the 2019 NFL draft has concluded. Find out who the Bengals drafted and this podcaster's thoughts on the picks. Plus a quick update on your local sports happening in Cincinnati and Dayton. After all, it's the local Sunday Sports Podcast. Welcome to another installment of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Visit the LeeWMowen.com slash podcast to subscribe and listen on your favorite podcasting platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, Breaker, Radio Public, Play Pod, Anchor, Pocket Casts, and so many more. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Gem on Queen Crown and the host at The Lee W Mowen. Like the Facebook page The Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Music is provided by freestockmusic.com. Now, it's time for our host, Lee W. Mowen. All apologies for having episode 95 be a little late this week, but it's time to talk Bengals NFL Draft. And overall, I like what the Bengals did. And we'll go over every pick. We'll go over all the reviews, and then I'll give my thoughts on how Cincinnati drafted the first draft under new head coach Zach Taylor. I've wrote down notes on my notebook, and the big theme of this draft is versatility and talent. Now, the grades kind of fluctuate a lot depending on where you read, And there's a few A's in there. There's a couple B's, there's an average grade, and then there's a D plus. Yeah. So your grades from Touchdown Wire give Cincinnati an A minus, NFL.com an A minus, and ESPN's Mel Kuyper Jr. has given the Bengals an A minus, a B plus turned in by Sports Illustrated, SB Nation gave the Bengals a B minus, Pro Football Focus, gave Cincinnati an average score. And USA Today handed out a D-plus to Cincinnati, and that is one of the worst grades they handed out of this 2019 draft. And from BengalsWire.usatoday.com, refreshing might be the best way to describe the Cincinnati Bengals coming out of the draft, the first of the Zach Taylor era. And head coach Zach Taylor We really feel like we got what we wanted out of this draft. There were a lot of leaders on the teams they played on. And I think Mel Kuyper Jr. from ESPN mentioned, it's not a sexy draft, but it's a solid draft. And that's all I really want. I want something where the Bengals are going to be able to add depth and important key pieces that are going to see that field and going to battle in 2019 and the future. So, we'll go ahead and list off who Cincinnati drafted. The first pick for the Bengals, round one, pick 11, Jonah Williams, an offensive lineman from the Alabama Crimson Tide. Round two, pick 52, is a tight end out of Washington, Drew Sample, and that one might be the pick that everyone's scratching their heads on, but... Once I read more about Drew sample, I decided that I was for it. Let's move on. Round 3, pick 72, Jermaine Pratt, an outside linebacker from NC State. Round 4, pick 104, is a quarterback from NC State and Ryan Finley. Round 4, pick 125, Rennell Wren, a defensive tackle from Arizona State. Round four, pick 136, the last of the fourth-round picks for Cincinnati. They pick out a center and offensive guard from Ohio State, Michael Jordan. Not to be confused with Michael Jordan, the basketball player, and Michael Jordan, the owner of the Charlotte Hornets. Is he the owner or is he the GM? Nah. Round six, there were no fifth-round picks for the Bengals. There were three sixth-round picks for Cincinnati. Pick 182, a running back out of Texas A&M. Travion Williams. Round 6, pick 210. Deshaun Davis, a linebacker out of Auburn. And pick 211, back-to-back picks for Cincinnati. Rodney Anderson, a running back out of Oklahoma. From CincinnatiJungle.com, it lists Anderson as the best value pick that Cincinnati had. And round 7, Pick 223, last pick for the Tiger Stripes. Jordan Brown, a cornerback from South Dakota State. And like I mentioned, the theme of this draft, versatility, size, talent, and depth. We'll start off with Jonah Williams. I really, really like that pick. If the Bengals need anything, it's protection of the quarterback and defense. The depth. Kind of reached the bottom last year because Cincinnati was quite injured and quite hurt. Versatility is the big thing on Jonah Williams. And from ESPN.com, when you research all the picks of Cincinnati, basically, he's paid three years in the best conference of all of football, which is the Southeastern Conference. Did a great job of left tackle for Alabama. Certainly can play guard. He's got great flexibility. And Zach Taylor also mentions he enables us to get our five best linemen on the field. Maybe a future left tackle. Who knows? I really like this pick, but depending on who you ask, they don't. So I guess I'll just swing at this Hornets Nets now. I'm glad that the Bengals did not pick Dwayne Haskins. He went 15th, you know, the quarterback from Ohio State with one year of college experience. Um... The attitude he had, uh, that rubs me the wrong way. I, I, So what? You you got picked 15th, and you, you might have thought you were going first. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't help that I'm not a Buckeye fan, so I know there's going to be a lot of angry comments towards me, but that's okay. Uh, Andy Dalton is serviceable. Is he going to win you a Super Bowl? It's, it's yet to be seen. I mean, A.J. McCarron was almost responsible for the first playoff win since 1990, but then the defense kind of shot that in the foot, and then the Steelers won it. And it's still a sore subject that I don't like to remember. It's also the last time the Bengals made the playoffs, so there you go. I really think that if you give Andy Dalton protection and you give him some weapons, he'll be fine. Now, of course, do you have to start thinking about the future? Yeah, that's why I like the pick of Ryan Finley. But at the same time, since Cincinnati has made it perfectly clear, Andy's their guy. That does put a little pressure on Driscoll, the backup quarterback for the Bengals, because now Finley might be trying to roll up to the number two spot in the quarterback depth. But there you go. So, yeah, I really like the pick of Jonah Williams. I like that the Bengals are focusing more on their needs and not you know, on the wants. Like I mentioned, versatility, he's going to make a difference. And he's very humble, too. What I saw on Twitter, he thanked his parents and everything. So, I really dig that. And the Bengals also loved his character, too. An A-plus addition to the locker room. And when you're talking about culture change, that's important. So, definitely... I have a big thumbs up on the first-round pick for Cincinnati. and I think he'll fit in quite nice and quite well. Drew Sample, a tight end from Washington. This is where a lot of fans started questioning WTF. And no, it's not short for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You, you get the drift. But the more I read on Drew Sample, it's more like he's a blocking tight end. And that's a spot where, you know, a little depth's not going to hurt you. I mean, Tyler Eifert's back for one year. I believe it's a one-year deal. And the last few years haven't been kind to Eifert. He hasn't managed to stay healthy. Drew Sample's more of a blocking tight end than a receiving tight end, but he's got good hands, but he's got a really nice blocking capability. Is it a need... Eh, I think it is. I mean, Eifert's hurt, and Oma, is your backup. You lost Croft. Uh, Did he go to the Redskins? I know Croft signed somewhere else. I mean, last year, in his last year with the Washington Huskies of the Pac-12, he got 25 passes, 252 yards, and three touchdowns. So there's potential there. He's got outstanding ball handling skills with the Huskies. And like I mentioned, people might have looked at this like you're drafting a tight end in the second round, but I like this. A good blocker, and first tight end that comes to mind is Rob Gronkowski, who is now retired. He can block. He can receive. If Sample can you know, work up to that, then I think that's a great pick. So, round three, pick 72 is Jermaine Pratt, an outside linebacker for... NC State last year the Bengals didn't do so well at that position and you had Preston Brown Nick Vigel and Vontez Burfecht out for good portions of last season Pratt is going to try to slide into the role where Burfecht is now gone he's now an Oakland Raider and teammates with Antonio Brown can you believe it depth and versatility so and also I think they measured his wingspan he's got like 33 inch arms that's uh, that's pretty good I think that's longer than my arms but I'm not playing football so Ryan Finley North Carolina State quarterback now will Andy Dalton likely be threatened this year probably not Maybe give Finley, you know, some NFL experience on the bench, learn from Dalton, learn from the coaches before, you know, thinking about playing. Andy Dalton still has two years on his contract, and the Bengals have stuck with Dalton for now. But Dalton's gotta have a really good year, either this year or next year, to have a shot at staying with the Bengals. Finley can pick up a lot of knowledge from Dalton. He's been around for the Bengals, he knows stuff. So I think picking up Finley is a nice touch. Rennell Wren, the defensive tackle for Arizona State. Defensive line is currently evolving. And again, it's depth. Size and length are what make Wren so special. And can also play multiple positions, which along with Pratt and Williams, versatility. Big, big theme. Like I mentioned, it's probably the biggest theme out of this draft, that in depth. And now we move on to round four, number 136, Michael Jordan. He was a good basketball player, wasn't he? Bulls, and then the Wizards for some reason, and the Birmingham Barons for minor league baseball. There you go. What makes Michael Jordan out of Ohio State nice is he has experience with former Buckeye Billy Price. So there's the familiarity there on the front line. Price moves in in center. And you got Jordan at the guard. Or if Price goes down, there you go. You can have Jordan there. They're seriously, the Bengals are seriously trying to fix that offensive line. And Michael Jordan's pick... Uh, Jonah Williams' pick, I, I like what the Bengals have done. We move on to round six, 182. Again, no fifth-round picks for Cincy. And Travion Williams, the running back for Texas A&M, rushed for 1760 yards and 18 touchdowns last year, uh, as well as 27 catches for 278 yards and one touchdown. The size is the big question mark here, and I thought that Williams was hurt with Texas A&M. That might be Rodney Anderson, and in fact, I think it is Anderson out of Oklahoma who has one year of college ball experience, but he also lost a year because of an injury. So Travion Williams will fit nice in that running back depth because he's taking over for Mark Walton, who was released because of several off-the-field issues. I think the Bengals actually released him fairly soon after that last straw was pulled. But the size is the question for Williams, but he's had some success at Texas A&M. That's not, you know, that's not an easy slate to play. And now we move on to... Deshaun Davis, a linebacker out of Auburn at round six, pick 210. Linebackers, linebackers, linebackers. The Bengals are stockpiling them. And I definitely think that is the right thing to do for the Bengals. Talented, high football IQ, solid tackler, sold 102 tackles, three and a half sacks, and two pass breakups. Last college season with Auburn and the Tigers. I like that pick. And again, the Bengals could use all the depth they can get. Now this running back is Ronnie Anderson of Oklahoma. And apparently this was a big surprise to people. Two running backs in the same draft. Instead of trying to find a wide out. Which means John Ross will probably be back. A.J. Green, although he is aging, he is still one of the most talented wide receivers in the sport. So two running backs. That makes it 1-2-3-4 available for the Bengals. Long history of injuries, though. That puts the damper on that pick. And that kind of derailed 2015, 2016, 2018 for Anderson. I thought that was 2017 he was hurt. Best value pick? uh, Hard to find someone that caliber late in the draft, but 1,161 rushing yards, 13 touchdowns in 2017. That's certainly a nice number for the Sooners. It's based on potential, but we will see how the injury bug follows Anderson into the pro ranks. It is tough trying to get a read on it since Anderson has went through injuries, but keep him healthy, he might be a nice addition to that running back core. Joe Mixon still will be the star, of course, but with this pick, Anderson and Mixon have experience with each other being former Oklahoma Sooners. So, I like that pick. Last pick is round seven, number 223, Jordan Brown, the cornerback out of South Dakota State. Now, cornerback, maybe not a major need because the Bengals did hire hire, did sign B.W. Webb, hire. Well, I mean, technically, you're hiring them, you're paying them a contract, go do your job, be a cornerback. It's still still a weird thing to say in sports, but B.W. Webb was signed in free agency for 2019, and Darquise Denard was also re-signed as well, but Jordan Brown could compete for a backup spot. 8 career interceptions standout. That's a pretty nice number, including 6 in the last 2 years. 10 total picks in 2019. Jordan Brown's going to have to have a stellar training camp to crack the roster, but again, dap, dap, dap. You can't go wrong with dap. If you get the nice pieces in, I definitely like it. Again, not a sexy draft, but it's a solid draft. It gets the job done you might still wonder why a tight end in the second round when you have Eifert. But again, Eifert's been hurt. So I like the sample pick, and if he can block well, that might be pretty nice. I really like the picks on both sides of the ball, the offense and defensive line and defensive core. I like that Ryan Finley is now a Bengal, and I feel like if Dalton does go down again with an injury, then if finley picks up he might he might do a serviceable job again touchdown wire, nfl.com and mel Kuyper junior from espn give the bengals draft an a minus there's a b plus from sports illustrated SB nation a b minus pro football focus gives the bengals an average grade and usa today with one of the lowest a d plus for cincinnati personally i I like the draft picks. I don't know if it's going to be an A for me, but there's a lot of potential there. And I definitely say... I definitely say a solid B. Leading up to B+, plus, depending on what some of the picks that have the injury bug following them do. Again, we'll see. We won't know until 2019 hits. I mean, training camp starts towards the summer hard to believe. By the way, most of the reads was from Katherine Terrell, a staff writer for ESPN. You can follow that at espn.com or do what I did, search Bengals 2019 NFL draft, and that's one of the first points that pull up. And like I mentioned, I know there were a ton of people that were angry that the Bengals didn't go over Dwayne Haskins. I'm actually thinking that was wise. And you can yell at me all you want. You're not a black guy. (laughs) I say yes. And then you're mumbling. But at the same time. One year in college. I mean does not mean you're going to be a star in the NFL. Washington end up picking up Haskins. And then everyone's like wow Washington had the draft. Then again you know Washington I think drafted several key pieces as well. Now what to expect for 2019. Eh. I don't know. It'll be Zach Taylor's first year. It's going to be a new system. It's going to be a lot of changes for the Bengals that have stuck around. For the new Bengals coming in, eh, you're still getting used to a new environment, new scene, everything. But for the ones that have stuck around through the Marvin Lewis days, eh, I mean, it's going to be a change. A brand new staff. I think there are maybe two holdouts from previous coaching staff's gone by. So I'm I'm pretty excited to see. I'm not expecting playoffs this year, but we'll see. So my grade for the Bengals draft is a solid B plus. You can find out more going back to CincyJungle.com which is an SB nation. It was one of the most important drafts in recent memory just because Zach Taylor is now the head coach and Marvin Lewis is not the head coach. It's funny how that works out. 11 picks. I think the Bengals have done very well. Actually, 10 picks for Cincinnati in the draft. And I think they did a nice job. So, there you go. The Bengals have drafted... And my thoughts, is a good draft. And now we move on to local sports in the Sinday area. We're going to talk about baseball. We're going to talk a little bit about soccer. There's some good, there's some bad. By the way, thank you to all that did put in their two cents for episode 94. It's one of my favorite episodes I've done in quite some time. Mainly because of the fact it's not just me yapping your ear off. It's someone's opinions and me yapping your ear off. So, there you go. Episode 95 at the halfway point. And we'll move on to the Dayton Dragons, the single-A affiliate of the Cincinnati Reds. Tough year for Dayton thus far. 8-17, and and currently on a five-game slide, including a, what was it, a six-run six, where there were at least 10 loons batting. I think it was 13. On Sunday. Yeah, not great. The Dragons are five and six at home sweet fifth third field in downtown Dayton, Ohio, but three and eleven away from Dayton. And two and eight in the last ten. The Dragons have lost five in a row, which is depending on what Beloit's doing, the worst streak in the Midwest League. Currently sitting in eighth place in the Eastern Division. Currently for first, Lake County and Bowling Green tied. 14-10 and 10 are the captains, the single-A affiliate of the Cleveland Indians and the Tampa Bay Rays single-A affiliate, Bowling Green, Kentucky. 15-11 and 11 are the hot rods. They are the reigning Midwest League champs from last year. Another solid core, Wander, Wander Franco. Definitely the real deal. South Bend in second place by half a game. The Cubs are 14-11. They're the single A affiliate of Chicago Cubs. Great Lakes, single A of the Dodgers. They took three of four from Dayton and currently on a five-game winning streak. One and a half back of first at thirteen and twelve. Fort Wayne, uh, that's San Diego single A affiliate. Twelve and thirteen. West Michigan, Detroit's, eleven and thirteen. Lansing, eleven and fourteen. They are single A of Toronto and the Blue Jays, who've recently called up Ladd Jr. Latimer Guerrero Jr., to be more precise, in case you don't know who I'm talking about. And then Sid Staten at 8 and 17. That's six and a half back of uh, first place. The elimination number, which is for each half, you get a certain elimination number. If you lose and the other teams win, it's a certain combo. If you reach the elimination number, you can't get to the playoffs. Very simple. Is that 39, which is the lowest in the Midwest League? Any weighing percentage at thirty two percent. What ails the dragons? It's mainly pitching. Starting pitching really hasn't been able to get to the fifth inning a lot. And that taxes on the bullpen, which which is decent. The bullpen's okay. Ryan Campbell, the probably the best bullpen arm the Dragons have, he's on the injured list. And I'm not sure when he'll be back. Hopefully soon, because Campbell pitched well. Hitting hot and cold. As we'll go through the league stats now, the Midwest League stats. As currently the Dayton Dragons are at Peoria, Illinois, which starts interleague play. You get about, what would it be, two weeks, four series in the first half, and then four series in the second half against the Western foes. And you get one series there or at home. You don't get both. And that helps save on travel. When the Dragons come back next week for Monday, they'll welcome in the new Miami Marlins single A affiliate, the Clinton Lumber Kings, and the Los Angeles Angels single A affiliate, the Burlington Bees, both from the state of Iowa, which has four teams. As we're trying to look up league batting, that's, oh, that's my fault because uh, I hit the wrong thing. Dayton as a team. Middle of the pack offensively, hitting 234 as a club with 191 hits. The best hitting team is Peoria. They're hitting 266 on the year. And Lansing is not too far behind at 265. Worst hitting team would be the Burlington Bees. They're at 205. But still in first place in the West, by the way. Now we look at team pitching, and it will tell a different tale. We sorted by ERA, not innings pitched. Dayton has the highest ERA at 5.79. Beloit has the second highest at 5.22. Lowest would go to Kane County at 2.42. Then Burlington, 2.68. Clinton, at 2.90. Quad Cities, at 3.19. Wisconsin, at 3.54 those top five with the lowest era are all western division teams your first eastern division team is sixth in the league with era at 3.80 in bowling green and then cedar rapids 3.81 great lakes 3.90 that's the middle of the pack dayton's era is at 5.79 with eight wins 17 losses on the year in 25 games the earned runs given up 135, that is the highest. Total runs is 154. That is also the highest. And strikeouts, though, not too bad. 237. If we sort by that, that would be fifth best in the Midwest League. Bowling Green has struck out 280. That's the best. Beloit has the least amount of strikeouts at 181. So there you go. Pitching is the big Achilles heel to this Dragon squad. Like I mentioned, the highest ERA in the Midwest League. We'll look at the batting stats and see where the first Dragon winds up. There are a couple of good hitters. Jay Schuyler, who has predominantly been the designated hitter, he's a backup catcher, he's hitting 342, which would... Tie with Jordan Groshens of Lansing for that batting average. And that would be a tie for 6th in the Midwest League. 27 hits and 79 at-bats. 15 RBI. Skyler has done a nice job at the plate. And it's been very impressive to see. Your second closest dragon. You have to go a little bit further into the pile. But 288 for Juan Martinez, the third baseman who has collected 21 hits on the year with 14 RBIs. Sorry, some of the numbers are mashing up, and it makes it a little tough. So, Like I mentioned, hitting is not the problem. The Dragons can't hit, but the pitching has been the major sore factor. The Dragons recently lost a doubleheader to Peoria last night, got shut out by the Chiefs. Again, they're the single-A affiliate of the St. Louis Cardinals. I say again, but I don't think I mentioned that quite yet. Sorry. 6 nothing by the Chiefs, and then Peoria came back and won that second game, I think 7-3. to three. So the Chiefs are going for the sweep today, and we'll pull up the main site to tell you the scheduled starter is going to be Jared Solomon. He's got a 4.91 ERA. The big thing about most of these pitchers is some of the stuff's good, but sometimes they get in such a long streak where they can't retire batters. You start off 0-2, but then it's 3-2 all of a sudden, and then a couple foul balls in, then bam, they're walked. Solomon is 0-1 on the year, a 4.91 ERA, and Peoria will sound out Aker, who is 0-2 on the year with a 9.22 ERA. Dayton looking to snap a five-game losing streak, and they got a couple more games away from home sweet home. In fact, three more, in fact. Well, four more counting today. I believe the Dragons make the trip to Cedar Rapids, Iowa. If we can swap to the right month, that'd be most appreciated. Yes. Cedar Rapids awaits Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then the Dragons have that long trip to come back home and then host the Clinton Lumber Kings for three and the Burlington Bees for three. Then it's a day off, and then it's back to Eastern Division play with a three-game set at Great Lakes. Again, Dragons are home for six, starting the sixth. That's a Monday, next week's Monday, against Clinton and Burlington. It'll be interesting to see how the system looks for Clinton because for the past 10 years, they were part of the Seattle Mariners, and before that, part of the Texas Rangers organization. I want to see what this Miami Marlins farm Brings in. And Clinton's towards the top of the Midwest League Western Division, but I don't think they're on top of the hill yet. We'll go back to the standings. Burlington and Kane County are your top teams. Kane County, the single affiliate of the Arizona Diamondbacks, which used to be South Bend before they started the Chicago affiliation. And Burlington with the Angels, 15-11 and 11 for both the Bees and the Cougars. Quad City is in second place by half a game at 13-10. Single A of the Houston Astros. Clinton, one game back, 13-11. Wisconsin is part of the Brewers as a single A affiliate, 12-12. Cedar Rapids with the Minnesota Twins, 12-13. Peoria, 10-13. And, and Beloit, part of the Oakland A's, 8-14. And, and that's your look at the Midwest League and the Dayton Dragons. Like I mentioned, still plenty of time to turn it around, and there are two chances to get a playoff spot in the Midwest League. It is based on halves. We'll see. I mean, I know it's just the first month. It's a tough first month, but you learn from that, then you pick it up. And now we move on to the big ball club, that be the Cincinnati Reds, and they are currently in a four-game set in Flushing, New York, home of the New York Mets. Is it Flushing or is it Queens? I'm not sure. I th- Flushing might be where the Pepsi cans are made. used to be Cincinnati, but now it's not. You learn so much in this podcast, don't you? Tyler Malley gets the ball for Cincinnati this afternoon. And it's scheduled to start 12-10 in New York. Mets 15-15, Reds 13-17. Noah Sindergaard, former Lansing Lugnut, gets the ball. His ERA is at 6.35, and he's 1-3 on the year for his Metropolitans. Reds have taken two of the first three away from New York in the Mets. They lost the second game of the pack in 10, 4-3 to New York. So far, uh, four games under 500. I know that's not what anyone's expecting. The offense is still a little eh. But at the same time, the pitching has been outstanding. And I saw a tweet the other day talking about the Reds' bullpen is one of the best in the majors. If you take out Zach Duke's high ERA, I believe the bullpen ERA is the best or maybe second best in the majors at 2.62. But with Zach Duke, I think it's like 320-something. That's not bad. The bullpen has been strong. The starting pitching has been okay. The hitting has been, uh <laughs> well, our last game last night was a one nothing win for Cincinnati. And it was Jose Iglesias hitting a home run down the left field line to win it at City Field again the series concludes today 12-10 and like I mentioned Tyler Malley gets the ball and then the Reds are back home for four to take on the San Francisco Giants wow they finished up the series with San Fran pretty quickly after that four game set at home against San Francisco then it's a six game road trip back to the west coast where the Reds will take on the Oakland Athletics and then the San Francisco Giants. Like I mentioned, seven games with the Giants in the next 11, coming today's. Impressive. For Friday's game in Cincy, it's Fireworks Friday. Saturday, I believe it's the first game with the throwback jerseys, which I'd love to go see. How many throwback jerseys the Reds have? That is outstanding. To talk about 150 years of history? It's awesome, and like I said, I'd really like to go see it. Sunday is a big day. It's a four ten start. It's family Sundays, but it's actually the March to the Majors. Is it March to Majors? Is that what it's called? The Reds Futures High School Showcase. Uh, as you might know, I do the games at Wright State for that, and we only had two this year, and I got to help name two MVPs. One of them being Beaver Creek's Ethan Tedder, who threw a shut out six hits seven inning a fair game as Beaver Creek won it one nothing in the bomb in the seventh against Miamisburg and then we had Fairmont and Springboro and that was a very good comeback turned in by the Panthers those MVPs get their custom engraved bats down on the field before the Reds take on the Giants and it's something I always like to go down and see I'm not sure if I get that chance this year but it's still it's it's really cool and plus if you went there it's it's an opportunity to get cheap tickets so you know go down there and see good high schoolers and see what could be the future of the majors there you go and then the series concludes with we'll a 12:35 game on Monday and that's business day specials for 20 bucks fans can purchase a view level ticket and receive $10 in concession credits that's not bad if you think, $10 for the ticket, 10 bucks for food. And then you can drop your business card somewhere. Which reminds me, I still need to get some. <clears throat> but there you go. Like I mentioned, Reds, four games, under five hundred. It's not the 3-18 start. Look at the silver lining in the clouds. The Reds are doing better. You might get angry on a couple of David Bell, the new manager's choices, sure. But... Seven games back of first, that would be the St. Louis Cardinals at twenty and ten. The Cubs have managed to claw themselves out of the basement. Now at second place, three back of the Cards, sixteen and twelve. Milwaukee is seventeen and fifteen. They have kind of cooled off, and the Pirates have really cooled off. They're now at five hundred fourteen and fourteen, and two and eight in their last ten. I'm not worried. There's still a lot of ground to cover, yes, but. I I think this Reds team can do it. Once the bats start getting to hit, I think we'll be okay. I know Puig is still kind of lurking around the Mendoza line, or as I said one time, the Mason Dixon line. I have no idea where that came from, but there you go. Hitting wise, the Reds are last place with a two ten batting average. Only four batting points away from the next opponent, the San Francisco Giants. That's hitting. Sure. Pitching, we look. Second best, 3.28 ERA. Like I mentioned, the pitching has been great. Only .14 points away from Tampa Bay for being first. First team in the NL with that ERA too. So, like I said, the hitting will come around. I feel it will. And just for kicks and giggles, fielding-wise, your Reds are 7th best with a field percentage of 98.7%. Your worst fielding team in the majors, Seattle at 96.9. The best would be Milwaukee at 99.2. So there you go. Stolen bases, we'll look at that. New York, Yankees lead that 27 and only been caught five times. That's not bad. And we look towards the Reds. Tied for eight with Detroit with 18 stolen bases. However, the Reds have only been caught six times, Detroit, nine times. Your worst stealing team would be St. Louis. They have only stolen four bases and have only been caught once. It's a little surprising to me, actually. Errors Seattle leads the majors with the most at 38, least belong to Milwaukee at nine. And Cincinnati is 21st with errors. They are tied with Atlanta, Houston, and Minnesota with 14 committed. That's not bad. There are positives with this team. And I know, hitting is driving the fans nuts. I get it. Hits and runs win games, but pitching helps keep the other team at bay. The pitching stays right where it is. I think the Reds will be okay. And like I mentioned, only a couple games out from first. Well, seven games out of first and a couple games away from Pittsburgh. This team isn't going to live in the basement this year. And then the Reds turn around just pink the seasons. Like, oh, good. Thanks for making me feel like an idiot. But there you go. Dragons and Reds. And to move to the pitch, it's MOS time. It's been a little rough for FC Cincinnati. I believe the last time I gave MOS standings, they were, what, fifth? Now they're 11th, which is second worst in the Eastern Conference. FC Cincinnati hasn't scored in nearly a month. The goal differential has now reached negative eight, which is the second highest in the Eastern. It would be the highest if it wasn't for New England's negative nine. Philadelphia leads all. They're tied by points with D.C. United and Montreal with 17, and that is 1.7 points per game. The Union are 5-3-2 after their win against F.C. Cincinnati, shutting out F.C. Cincinnati 2-0, and 4-1 and at home sweet home, but 1-2-2 two, two away. Again, that's wins, losses, ties, or draws. D.C. United also 5-3-2. A better road record for D.C. United, though. They're 3-1-1 away from our nation's capital, 2-2-1 at home. Montreal, just two home wins in their two home matches, 5-3-2 for the impact, 3-3-2 away from Canada. Columbus is in fifth place. They're behind Toronto FC. Columbus is at 4-5-1, a goal differential of negative 3. 3-2-1 in central Ohio, 1-3 away from Columbus. And they are behind Toronto FC by points per game. But both Toronto FC and Columbus crew have 13 points. Toronto with a better record in seven games. 4-2-1. 3-1-1 one, one, one in Canada. And 1-1 one, and one away. Orlando City in sixth place along with New York City FC with 12 points. 3-3-3 three, three, three is Orlando City. 2-1-6 is New York City FC. That's six draws. Chicago is underneath the playoff line with New York, Red Bulls, Atlanta United, FC Cincinnati, and New England. Like I mentioned, the scoring drought has nearly reached a month. And Coach Alan Koch is telling FC Cincinnati to get more offensive pieces. It's frustrating, which I can't imagine it wouldn't be frustrating because you got a good team that can't score. You know, what can you really do? You can't go out there and kick a goal in. Actually, maybe you could. Hmm. I now have a new mission in life. Become a soccer coach and then run out and kick the ball in the net. See if it counts. I'll probably get a red card for it, but there you go. And we'll take a quick look in the Western Conference. Los Angeles Football Club is in first with 23 points, followed by LA Galaxy, Seattle with 18 points, FC Dallas 17, Houston 16, Minnesota United 14, Real Salt Lake 10, and right underneath the playoff line, Sporting Kansas City, San Jose Earthquakes, Portland Timbers, Vancouver Whitecaps, and then the Colorado Rapids, who have yet to win a match this year. 0-2-2 at home, 0-5 away from Colorado. So if you think FC Cincinnati's got growing pains, the Rapids have yet to win a game. And in fact, they have the worst goal differential in MLS with negative 12. Best one would be plus 18 for Los Angeles Football Club. That's scoring 18 more goals than letting up. And in fact, LAFC has 26 goals scored while only allowing 8. I think that's pretty good, don't you? And pretty soon, we'll be able to talk about summer soccer. The season starts in a couple weeks. Cincinnati Sirens, the WPSL, the Dayton Dutch Lions returning to WPSL. That'll be a great rivalry there. And for now the USL League 2, I was about to say NPSL. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Although there is a little bit of news. Dayton Dutch Lions coming back. Cincinnati Dutch Lions coming back. That's going to be a terrific rivalry there, too. And in fact, Dayton has a home game against FC Columbus Saturday, I believe, at the Dock, which is at West Carrollton High School. There is some official news. I got this from Hangar 937 on Twitter. Apparently, the Dayton Dynamo have officially resolved. In fact, if you look up the forums, I think Brian Reese shared them, that they have already been sent to the state of Ohio dissolving the LLC. So there you go. No longer a thing of the Dayton Dynamo. And I know the previous owner, well, the minority owner, David Satterwhite, is upset about it. But I don't know if he wants to have another go at it. He's got a family, after all. He's got a very successful career in the financial world. But it was fun working with David those two seasons. And Jeremy Lance for one season. Need to have Jeremy on my podcast. But there you go. And lastly, we'll touch up some college ball baseball It's pretty exciting here in Dayton, Ohio. We got three great teams. Wright State with a big sweep over UIC. The Flames were in first place for most of the year. And now, with that three-game sweep, Wright State is currently half game up on Milwaukee. Three Horizon League series left, and you're truly is hoping Wright State wins the Horizon League. That means more baseball for me later on in the month when the Horizon League comes back to town. Although, I don't know if Milwaukee would win it. I don't think their new ballpark is open, so they might still host it at Wright State. Unless they host at Miller Park, but I can't imagine that price tag. Anyway, all three starters got wins. Bear Bellamy threw a terrific game. Zane Collins went Sunday instead of Saturday. He's a left-hander. He did well. And Bradley Bremer, who normally goes Sundays, he went Saturday. He threw well as well. And with that big three-game sweep of UIC, the Raiders now have a series at Youngstown State. No games between UIC and at YSU. The Raiders did take two out of three from the Penguins, but these nine conference games left are crucial. And, you know, playing away from home sweet home, it's tough. And I think Youngstown State's celebrating Senior Day this series. I don't remember, actually. I know last year they did, but there you go. And now we look at the UD Flyers. Second year at Coach Jason King. Outstanding job. This flyer squad, this flyboy squad, they are one game back of first. The preseason poll had Dayton 9th. You have to be in the top eight to play in the Atlantic 10 tournament, which is held in the Bronx, uh, welcomed in by Fordham University. This flyer squad has done extremely well, and just think, second year for Coach King. Normally, for coaches, first year you see what you got. Second year, you now you welcome in the recruits. Maybe you can bring in a couple of JUCOs. Third year, that's when your system is full operational type of thing. At least that's how it is for basketball. But you really gotta admire Coach King and what all he's done for the Flyer baseball program. Not only does the field look a lot better, but that team is outstanding. It's been a lot of fun. The Flyers took two or three from St. Joseph's and the Hawks. Won the first game. with These Where left fielder Connor Eccles Not only hit a grand slam, but also with relief pitcher Jordan Cox. Did that scene from, what was it, Blades of Steel? That Will Ferrell skating movie. Go look it up on Twitter at Dayton Baseball. You you'll thank me for it. it you'll have to dig a little bit deeper because the Flyers have had two games, but at the same time, it's totally a gift worth watching. Also, Eccles had the important put out to end the game where the Flyers were up two to one on Sunday, and had it not been the, for that throw, the tying run, maybe the go ahead run would have scored. So. The Sydney, Ohio kid doing big things. And he'll be one of four seniors honored when Dayton hosts the Fordham Rams. That will be two weeks from now. Is it two weeks from now? Yeah, because they're at LaSalle this weekend. Figure what next series is. And then Fordham. Because next weekend is Wright State hosting Northern Kentucky. Which, by the way, if you pick a day to go to a Wright State game, Pick uh, Saturday, because that's Senior Day, and we're honoring 11 Raiders. Or pick Sunday, because that's when Wright State's back at 5th, 3rd field. And yours truly will be running the scoreboard for that, so say hi and stuff. But make sure you get a ticket. It is free, but you need a ticket. Uh, WSU Raiders.com or DaytonDragons.com are your best ways to get a ticket. So there you go. And Sinclair Community College, they're your Ohio Community College athletic conference champs in baseball and looking looking for back-to-back-to-back-to-back regional trips. It's amazing. If you look at the baseball scene in Dayton, Ohio, your two Division I schools are either in first or not too far away from first or winning conferences like that. That's huge. We got a great college baseball scene. Go support it. Now, for college softball, it is the last week of the regular season especially for the Wright State Raiders. And it's a big series, as WSU will welcome in the UIC Flames. And for softball, UIC is pretty dynamite, if I remember right, 18-3. and three. Currently, the series stands. It's a doubleheader tomorrow, Friday, May 3rd, and then a single game, May the 4th. That's Saturday. There are no seniors on this team. The lone senior, Ally Russell from Greenville, redshirt this year because of an injury so a senior day senior day is always you know a little sad because you realize the season's over and you're not going to see them again unless unless they become coaches or what have you but yeah UIC is in town for softball definitely come out to that hopefully we have good weather hopefully the rain stays away and a quick look at the standings How's the weather in your area? Is it good? I hope so. We've got a lot of rain here. But not as much rain as the Midwest. In fact, if we go back to the Midwest League, Quad Cities, they have yet to play a home game. It's been a month. It's because modern Woodman Park is right on top of the Mississippi River. And when it floods, oh boy, you can believe that field floods too. So, some of the Western teams have had to give up I shouldn't say give up. They have lent their home stadium and they became the away team for Quad Cities. I know Clinton did that and that's that's pretty nice. It's really nice how to work that out. Otherwise, there you go. UIC is indeed 18 and 3 in the league. They've been very good and winners of eight in a row. The interesting thing about UIC, not the records I just threw at you, but The head coach is former UIC Flames softball alum and also former Wright State head coach and Lynn Carrillo. So it's going to be, it's always interesting to see uh, Coach Carrillo with her Flames. It's nice that she reunited with her alma mater. But coming back to the head coaching stop, it's got to be special. Currently, Wright State is a game back of Oakland. Why is that important? Well, you have to be in the top. 6 to play in the Horizon League softball tournament. Raiders are 8 and 13. They suffered a series loss at Cleveland State who's now tied with Green Bay for a tie for eighth at 7 and 14. Oakland is 9 and 14. Like I mentioned, Wright State has UIC and it's going to be a tough series, but you play your game. Who knows what can happen? And yes, I'm paying that, so if you want to come up and say hi. I would not mind that. Oakland does not have a series left to play in Horizon League Ball. In fact, they have a two-team doubleheader at Fort Wayne, Indiana against Purdue, Fort Wayne, and Ball State. Huh. So Oakland is done with conference play. Wright State is not. I think... I think one out of three... We'll get you the tiebreaker because Wright State took the series at home against Oakland, two out of three. But I'm not sure. We'll go through that in episode 96, I'm sure. And a quick look at the Dayton Flyers softball team. Like I mentioned, softball starts early February. And of course, not in the Midwest. There's snow here. You can't play in the snow. Well, you can, but, you know, they don't. I still think someone needs to invest in like an indoor bubble around here, you know? The Dayton Flyers softball team is in fifth place at 9 and 6. They're looking up at St. Joseph's 12 and 8, George Washington 13 and 7, UMass 11 and 4, and Fordham 15 and 5. And the Flyers not pausing for loading, obviously. That's silly. Don't Say silly things if you don't mean them. The Flyer Softball Schedule has Dayton Squad hosting Saint Joseph's. And there's a doubleheader Saturday starting at noon for the forty year celebration. And then senior day is May fifth at noon against the Hawks. Winnable series and this Dayton Flyer squad is good. Both of these are good squads. The Raiders have a young squad, but think about it. If that core stays together, at least four freshmen crack the starting lineup. That's how young it is for Wright State. If that young core stays together, that'll be a good core from years to come. And they're going to get better and better and better. And I think that will do it. I think I covered all the local sports. Actually, last thing... High school baseball at Fifth Third Field. It's ending this week. I've got to announce a couple more games this week. Got to announce West Liberty Salem and Mechanicsburg. I was told West Liberty Salem would have a PA announcer. Never showed up. So, you know, a minute before the ceremonial first pitches for both squads. Hop on the mic. Get my rosters. Hopefully I didn't butcher them too bad because the writing on the uh, little starting lineup sheets. A little hard to read. But... I think I did a great job, especially considering I PA, I scoreboard op, and I also run music in between. And at some point, I was like, okay, I'm tired of new music. Let's play stuff back then. So, there you go. I was a little sad that Twin Valley South and Preble Shawnee got rained out because I was really hoping that I could announce for my hometown school. But it happens. Rain comes through. I heard that they are going to reschedule it later in the week, but I'm not sure when. Probably Friday, because that's National Trail Valley View, and that's the only high school game there. There's three high school games left. It is free, and you get a chance to win a Mount St. Joseph University hat. So what are you waiting for? You get to see free ball at 5th-3rd field. And these are good kids, good teams, good coaches, and the future is now. But Dippin' Dots is the ice cream of the present. So says Michael Skipper when he talks to me during... uh, dragons games but there you go and lastly to pat myself on the back I went into emergency official score duty the last dragons game I worked guy didn't show up I figured hey you know help out and I did okay so there you go nice thing is when you're the official score there you have a mic that reaches the press box and the dugouts so I was I was I was happy I got a chance to do that So there you go. That will do it for episode 95, starting off with the Bengals 2019 draft and then covering local sports in Cincinnati, Dayton, Ohio. What a rush. Episode 96 will be next week. Hopefully a little earlier than this, but that's okay. Again, sorry for the delay on this. Visit bit.ly slash riseuppodcommunity. And also visit OvertimeHeroics.com and register for the free forums and join in the fun. I tell you, there's a lot of great podcasters part of those groups. You meet, you get to meet a lot of people. You get to meet a lot of passionate sports fans out there. So I definitely appreciate what those two groups do for me and sharing the good word of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. A couple of links have been fixed on the press kit because some of them weren't updating. I forgot that I did more changes to the RSS feed. Someone should stop me making changes, but uh, I'm I'm mad with power, so no, never. Wooshka is back. I'll have the link eventually on there, so you can listen on that platform. iHeartRadio is behind, but I sent in a request to fix it. I think everything else should be A-OK, ready to go. But you can find your platform of choice at com slash podcast. And I hope you continue listening on to the local Sunday Sports Podcast. That's episode 95. Five more episodes until episode 100, where I'm live streaming and I still have no idea what to do yet. See, I thought about doing Periscope, and then it was like, oh yeah, I was going to do YouTube. But, um... <clears throat> That's behind the curtain. You don't have to listen to that. See you for episode 96 of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. Overtime Heroics. Join the forums for free at overtimeheroics.com. Rise Up, Podcast Community bit.ly slash riseuppodcommunity This has been another installment of the Gem on the Queen's Crown the local Cincinnati and Dayton sports podcast closing theme by James Anderson from freepd.com Follow the podcaster on Twitter at the Lee W Mallon, spelled T-H-E-L-E-E-W M-O-W-E-N, and the podcast on Twitter at on Queen Crown. Like the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown. For every link and platform available to listen to the local Sunday sports podcast, please visit theleewmawan.com slash podcast. Would you like a question about sports answered on the podcast? Send a message on Twitter at either account or visit theleadwmallon.com and click contact me and your question might be answered in a future episode. Thank you for listening and your support of this podcast.